let's say good morning to everybody in Richmond. Tell the person next to you, you look good. Come on, tell them, you look good and you can be seated. <laughs> well, we are in a new series uh, on the book of Daniel and uh, I, I started to lose my voice yesterday and uh, it has sounded fine all day until right now. So we'll see, <laughs> maybe it'll be short today, I don't know. But uh, if you listen fast, I'll talk fast. But um, uh, I'll tell you about this new series we're launching in just a second. But I love to look in the camera at the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond in a part of the city called Scott's Edition. God's doing incredible things in that uh, campus there. It's kind of like one house with many rooms. And, and so good morning, 1115. We're glad uh, for, to see all God's doing there. And then the men and women of Chesterfield County Jail and Virginia Department of Corrections, we love you. You are uh, our people and uh, love, 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 love what God's doing there. And then today's really exciting because we had 110 people in uh, at Mosley Elementary School setting up and praying over every room of that, of that school that we'll be using. And so um, what's today, September 10th? So 17, 24, uh, three weeks from, uh, yeah, October 1st. We are going live for church services at uh, Mosley Elementary School. And so if you know anyone west on Hall Street, would you invite them to be a part of that? Come on, the only church in Magnolia Green. And uh, so we'll be in there. So you want to invite people to be a part of that. We can't wait to be there. And in fact, we're running what we call practice services the next two weekends there at 930. So if you're interested in seeing a church, church service that we're not sure we can pull off, You'll be a part of those. And uh, so preview, practice, whatever you call them. Maybe we're calling them preview. I don't know. Practice, whatever. Um, but so October 1st, thank you for just being a part of what God's doing in the life of our church. And so I'm really excited because today we're launching a series on the book of Daniel. And it's how to live our faith in the world that we live in. How many know our world has kind of gone crazy? Like, it's just a different world, and uh, and we want to look at how Daniel lived in a different world, and he lived for God, and he trusted God in that in that space, and so we'll do a verse-by-verse -verse study of the book of Daniel, and we're excited about that. But, you know, I was thinking, prepping for this series, we hear so many statements about all the progress we're making in our culture, and so I, I began to really think through, how much progress are we making? I mean, we've, we've made progress in a lot of areas, come on, uh, I mean, you can pull through the drive-thru and get your coffee you don't even have to go in you know and technology and all kinds of things like that but when I did some studying on human flourishing I found that even though technologically we might be making progress there are some brokenness we, we may not be progressing as much as we think we are in our own lives and in fact let me just show you a few of these things do you know a study from 1973 to today shows more this is Americans people in the United States are less happy than they used to be haven't you met some people out there? They don't seem happy. In fact, in fact, from 2011 to today, there is just this, this, this declining happiness and joy in our culture. In fact, they say it's confusing because as our standard of living rises, our standard of joy is decreasing. In fact, if you look, especially since COVID, but really it's a trend that started for the last 20 years, the use of different substances is skyrocketing in our culture. The use of drugs, alcohol, 
uh, suicide-related deaths or what, what um, doctors call deaths of despair. So deaths that have something to do with some, some of these substances is skyrocketing in our culture. In fact, do you know since COVID, there's a 1,200% increase in alcohol consumption in America? I'm just telling you that's a little too much. And everything bad is on the rise. In fact, you know, even our kids are depressed. Come on. They, they, the studies show us ages 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Th this is bad. They're going up in depression, discouragement, anxiety. In fact, almost if you look at the graph, I hate to say this, but almost at the creation of the smartphone, it started a decrease in joy in kids. I could preach that today, couldn't I? Like the, the connectedness of our phones supposed to bring us ease has created paralyzed us in our almost in our own culture of 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 uh, they say that, that our children experience severe anxiety if they aren't near their phone we touch it thousands of times a day you know what i mean i mean and 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 in fact and this one is even even worse suicide rates and uh, gun uh, gun related deaths in america murders or suicides skyrocketing in our culture so here's what i'm saying everything bad is up <laughs> Everything bad is up in the same time that the wealth of our country and the progress in our country. And I'm just telling you, this doesn't feel like progress to me. <laughs> and people say, no, we're making a lot of progress, but maybe we aren't making progress on the inside. And so, in fact, you know, most civilizations are not destroyed from opposition from without, but from decay from within. And so I want you to see, we're going to go through the book of Daniel, and it's going to help us to learn how to live in a difficult day. Now, when I say Daniel, the Bible story, Daniel, you think Daniel and what? Daniel in the lion's den, don't you? Yeah. I mean, Daniel shutting the mouths of lions. and Or you think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery what? Fiery furnace. And yet, I want you to just maybe write this down as we get started this month. Daniel was not written in the Bible for us to have an adventure story. It's instead a story that is intended to show us how to survive and live in a godless environment. And that's what Daniel does. He's a young man that he and his three Hebrew friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are transported out of their homeland of Jerusalem into Babylon. They're taken uh, in 586 BC into Babylonian exile, meaning they're pulled away from their parents, their family, their homeland, their worldview, and they're, they're deported and sent in a Babylonian culture. And this culture of Babylon, in fact, in, in Revelation, it, it uses the phrase Babylon to mean any wicked culture. It was a wicked culture. Okay, it's, it's, it's morality, it, child sacrifice and confused sexuality and, and, opposite, and controlling other nations and murder. I mean, Babylon, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, Babylon was bad, okay? And yet Daniel figured out how to live for God in the middle of a, of a difficult world and I think God wants us to learn how to live for him in an increasingly uh, godless environment can anybody say amen to that right so we're going to learn from the book of Daniel how, what do we do what do we do in this world that we're living in what do you do how, what do you do when your kid comes home from school and says mommy my, my friend said this or my dad my, 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 my friend is the how do you answer the questions how do you navigate life how do you go through situations in a 
in a confused world and, and still live for God in the middle of a crazy world. And, and we're going to learn that from the book of Daniel, how Daniel stood up and he stood for God in the middle of a crazy world. How many would just admit the world is pretty messed up? Come on. I mean, Alabama football lost last night. I mean, these are barren days in the world. And uh, I want us to look, so verse by verse through the book of Daniel. By the way, if you're new here today, we're just going to go verse by verse through the Bible. We're going to hit a few current topics today, and you're going to think, oh, we're one of those kind of churches. We don't signal, sing, single out any kind of sin around here, but we do hit all of them. Is that okay? So hopefully somewhere along this series, I'll bump into one of yours. And, uh, but I just want to say that we'll start, we're going to start our study of the book of Daniel in Daniel chapter one and verse one. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Look at these words. It's interesting. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. It's interesting to me that, that God had told his people, if you live and serve for me, I'll bless you. But if you walk away from me, I'll let you be taken over by the, God, by the nations around you. So they abandoned the Lord and they were taken over by Babylon. But it actually says, God was still at work even even in bad things. Did you know God's in charge even when things are happening in life you don't like? Did you know God's in charge of the elections that the person that you want to win wins? And did you know that God's in charge of the elections when the person you didn't want to win wins? This will preach here today. I'm just telling you. And God's in charge of it all. And so he says, because of this, in fact, if you look at it, Jehoiakim, he's such a bad guy. He goes into the temple of God and steals these holy articles of worship and carries them into the temple of his God. I mean, this is, a, this is an evil king and ruler. But I want you to see this because Daniel lives his life with integrity and authenticity and takes a stand for him. But he also has a certain optimism. You got to write this down today and you got to get it. In your spirit if you know God is in control even when the world seems out of control you can live with optimism even in a crazy world so here's what I'm saying we're going to spend the month looking at how to take a stand in a crazy world but we don't want to become the mean church mm. just ticked off come to our church why we're mad at everyone you walk into Wawa and the guy says, you want anything? You say, no. But you, sir, are you a Christian? No. You're going to hell. <laughs> the wrath of God is upon you, sir. And if today you do not bow, one day you will bow in eternity. Maybe nothing I said is, is, is wrong, but how many know there's got to be a way to do it besides that? And that's what I'm telling you. What we're going to see through the book of Daniel is Daniel lived his life in the middle of a culture that was opposed to his God. Daniel and his three Hebrew friends are teenagers when they're deported from their homeland and set in a worldview and in a culture opposed to everything they've been taught. And yet they figure out how to love and live for God in a way that still gives them influence in the culture around them. And I'm just telling you, there's got to be a way for us to love God and stand up for the truth of God in a way that still connects with people and has influence in the culture around us. And so we're going to learn that today, okay? So let me show you how it starts. Here's the first thing a culture does. I want to show you three things that a decaying culture does 
in Babylon. And you tell me if you see any connection to our culture, okay? Here's the first thing that they do. They get Daniel and his friends and they give them new names. They want to change their identity. To Daniel, they give the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. It's actually interesting that you probably know the names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which actually they're Babylonian names. And you probably don't even have, have never even really heard or thought of their Jewish names. So the first thing that happens when, they, when a culture wants to change you and change your worldview, the first thing they want to do, rename, here's the first thing they want to do. They want to create confusion in our identity. And so what they do is they say to Daniel and his friends, your parents named you this, but which, which was a connection to the, to the heritage and faith of your, of your forefathers, but we're going to rename you as a way of brainwashing you and creating names that create a new identity for you rather than the identity of the gods you served. So let me show you a few of them because you see, you just see how much, um, I think I want to say this, there's nothing new under the sun. The same plans the enemy had way back then are the same ones he uses now. And the reason I say that is because I think we're tempted to think this is all new today. It was the first time it ever happened. In fact, I'll never forget, Katie and I were so excited when, when Katie got pregnant. When, when she first got pregnant, I used to say we were pregnant, and she let me know we weren't pregnant. She was pregnant. So when she, when she was pregnant, uh, we went to her family to tell them that, that we were, they, you know, they were having a, we were having a, she was having a baby. We were, whatever you call it. And uh, they, her mom and dad were so excited. But her grandpa, his name is Homer. He was a, he was a dairy farmer in rural upstate New York. He was just mad. What, why are you having a baby? And I was like, well, I don't know. I like your granddaughter. I don't know what to say. It's getting awkward. And, uh, and, and he's like, you can't bring a baby into this world right now. It's so broken. And so I said, Homer, uh, I was thinking, you know, he's 91 at this time. I said, well, you've lived through almost the whole 1900s. Can we just talk through what you've lived through? The Great Depression. Let's talk about this. You know, like that was bad, right? World War II felt reasonably difficult. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> The whole world was going to end. You know, the nuclear battle, the 80s. Uh, I mean, like all the, and by the very end, he said, I guess it's fine, you know. But here's all I was trying to remind him, and I'm trying to remind us today. We're tempted to think this is the first time ever in human history that people have tried to confuse identity and create chaos in our sexuality. I'm just here to remind you this is the same old playbook the enemy has been trying from beginning to end. And God is still in charge on the throne today. He's not worried, and he's not hurried. And I'm just telling you this because I don't want you to be the Christian that thinks you have to buy hundreds of cans of tuna and gold and hide them in your basement with a, with a gun. And you say, Pastor, you don't, ha you don't do that? No, because I know you have it. And you have to share with me if something goes wrong. But I'm just telling you, I'm just reminding you today, God is on his throne today and he is not worried about our world. He still rules. And so, and so I'm telling you that to say the world has been, all right, that was a whole, that was a whole thing, but... So they change their names. So Daniel's name means God is my judge, okay? That's his Hebrew name, Daniel. God is my judge. And they give him a Babylonian name, Belteshazzar, which means lady protect the king, okay? So Daniel is given a name that literally is reflective of his identity and his faith. God is judge. 
And the culture gives him a name that is actual female, female name. So the culture has tried to create confusion, not only in Daniel's identity, but in Daniel's own gender identity. And I'm just here to tell you today, the culture is saying to you, I'm not sure God got it right. And I'm just telling you, God doesn't get it wrong. He gets it right. And this isn't mean spirit. This is just from the heart that God, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139 says. And the first thing the culture tries to do is create a confused identity. To Hananiah, the name Yahweh has been gracious. So it's a picture of the good and kindness of God. And they create the name Shadrach, which means I'm fearful of God. And this is exactly what's happening in the church right now. It's a rethinking of our view of God in scripture. People call it deconstruction. So I'm not sure the Bible really says that, or I'm not sure I'm up for that kind of ancient view of God. Maybe we need to change the whole thing and invent something new, create a little, little new God in a new way that we can understand what's new going on. And it's destroying people who are losing the, the beautiful view of the greatness of God. And instead of seeing God as good and holy and just and righteous and sent his son on the cross to be uh, the forgiveness of our sin, we're trying to change the identity of our God. To Mishael, he's got this beautiful spirit. Who's what God is? It's this kind of innocent, no one's like the Lord kind of name. And they give the name that's, that's demeaning. Meshach, I'm despised and contemptible, humiliated. Instead of a view of the greatness of God, it's a view of the misery of our own humanity. Finally, Azariah, whose name is built upon his Yahweh, God's help me. He says, no, 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 you're going to have another God the God of Nebo, you're going to be the God of this culture. And this is baked into the Babylonian culture. And by renaming the Babylon, these Hebrew sons, they're trying to, to take away their identity and connection to God and faith and to almost reprogram them to, to think differently. Just write this down this weekend, Chapel. We gotta, we've got to get this in our culture. When culture shifts, we've got to know who we are. When culture shifts, we know, you say, Pastor, who are we? Well, I'm going to tell you who we are. Before you were formed in the womb, God says, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Come on, have you seen the new ultrasounds? They didn't have them when, we, when our kids were little. The new ultrasounds, you're basically talking to the baby. You're like, wow, blue eyes. You know, like, I'm, I'm just telling you, inside the womb, even before it meets the rest of the world on the outside, God's saying, I stitched you together and knit you together. Your eyes are the color I want them to be. Your personality is, a, and somebody's here today, and you say, I'm not sure I'm the way God wants me to be. I want to encourage you. God made you just the way he made you, just the way he wanted you, so that you could bring him glory, and it could bring you good. we got to know who we are. I had a chance last April to go to this kind of fancy pastor's thing, uh, there was like 30 pastors in this lodge for two days and they were all um, part of impact churches, which whatever that means. And uh, I realized the first day I was there with Katie, I looking around and this, these are probably churches that are larger. I realized that I was the least cool um, pastor there. I was like, there's 30 guys in here and they, I am, I just noticed like when I were in, huh, and so I said to Katie, I said, Katie, does it seem to you like I'm kind of the least cool guy here? You, you ever had your wife answer you like 
pause before she answered you? It's like, no. I said, it's okay to say that. It's okay if I'm the least cool guy here. It just feels like I'm the least cool guy here. I should have gotten cooler stuff or something because I didn't know. I just don't feel cool like everybody like this. And she said, well, maybe that's not your, cool is not your thing. <laughs> Pardon me? I said, well, what is my thing? And she had no idea. She's like, I don't, honestly, I'm at a loss. You know what I mean? And I'll tell you what, for just one moment, I thought, maybe I just don't, maybe, I'm, maybe I don't, maybe. And then I just had this thought in my mind, you know what, if God wanted to make me cool, he would have made me cool. Here's how I know I'm not cool. After the 930 service, several women in their late 80s came up to me and said, you are very cool. <laughs> so apparently that is my demographic that I just clean up and, and uh, uh, I'm just telling you, whatever, your, whatever our insecurities are here, I'm telling you, the enemy wants to do one thing. It's confuse your identity. And in a world that's shifting, we have to know, I am who I am. I am created the way God wanted me. He makes no mistakes. Come on, somebody, give God praise in this room. Come on, in the lobby. Come on, lobby. Like... So in, in, a, in a world that's changing, we've got to know who we are. And here's the second, the second thing they try to do. is not just confuse identity in a culture that's decaying. They, they want to, they, look at this. The Bible says the king assigned them to a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. So the Babylonian king wants to get Daniel to compromise the dietary laws of his Hebrew faith. So the Old Testament had certain things they were supposed to eat and not. And the king is, the culture is trying to fit them in to change their thinking. And the Bible says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. I think we need a generation of people that resolve not to just walk perfectly in step with the world around them. But Daniel, what? Don't you love that word? Resolved. Not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So not only does the culture want to create a confused identity. Here's the, I think this is true. The culture wants to get us to compromise our standards, doesn't it? Uh, that can't really be it. That's old fashioned. <laughs> that's. Come on, let's leave it to Beaver. Remember when they would the, they'd sleep in separate beds in the same marriage? Remember on the TV? That's bad. That's a, not good either. You know what I mean? But like, but like now we got a whole world with a whole lot more stuff. Anybody, you're just trying to go to the mall and get frozen yogurt. You're covering your kid's eyes. You're like, what is happening in here? You know? And the culture's trying to get us to compromise our standards compromise our standards hey we here here it is just write this down when the culture shifts we we gotta not only know who we are chapel when the culture shifts we have to know what we believe because they're going to say we got to believe something different and unless we're familiar with what the truth is we'll be confused to and sucked into what the counterfeit is so i'm i just want you to know we're not going down that path not because we're mad about it, just because we're trying to love Jesus and we can't compromise our standards. Hey, you can't make a difference if you're not different. Now, I'm not saying you got to be a weirdo. I had a friend who used to say, if it's odd, it's God. And it's like, no. You're just kind of weird. You know, like, 
So I'm not talking about just being a space cadet, you know what I mean? But I am saying this, we're going to have to get comfortable with the fact that I don't think exactly the same way as the world. And I don't live exactly the same way as the world. And I'm not walking down that path because God, it's not that I'm mad about it. I'm just, I'm living, I can't make a difference unless I'm different. And I think if we're not careful, if we try to fit in to every, I'm telling you what, if you fit in, if you never feel like you're standing out, then you're probably believing the wrong thing. And I think that's got to become a conviction in our heart. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting with a local pastor a couple months ago and he asked me a question. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, why are there so many young people at the chapel when your when your church is uh, teaching, I can't remember if he said teaching or worldview, but when your church is teaching is so outdated. And I said, well, talk to me about that. And he said, well, you guys are holding on to all this ancient like worldview, and we kind of moved with the times and gotten current, and yet a bunch of young people that I wouldn't think like that old timey thinking go to your church. And I didn't know how to answer, but the thing that hit me was to just say. Let me just be honest with you. You don't have anything to offer young people. Because the only thing you can offer them is the same thing they already have in culture. So, so why would they come to church if, they, if, they, if you're just going to give them the same thing they have out there, then you've taken away the reason to even come in here. And so I'm telling you, you've you got to have something to give some people, you know. And I'm just telling you what, God sets his hand a blessing when we do things God's way, you know. In fact, I've had people leave our church and say, well, if you're going to hold on to the Bible in that area, i got to leave the church. And I always say to them, well, listen to me, we'll leave the door open. Because I'm telling you, if you go out and do it the world's way, you'll find out it doesn't work. So just so you know, we're going to leave the light on. So when you come back in, there's no judgment. There's just grace and forgiveness. Remember the prodigal son, I'm going to do things my way. And the father says, that's cool, but I'll be standing here on the, on the porch for when it didn't go well for you to come back in. And I'm telling you, we got to be people who, when the culture shifts, we know what we believe. I'm telling you, the culture has shifted the price tags and taken things that are valuable and called it invaluable and taken things that are in, not valuable and called them valuable. And I'm just telling you, we need to get back to calling things the way God's called them. Can somebody say amen to that? All right, All right let me finish. So here's what happened. So now God caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. And here's what the guy said. He said, well, if I let you eat that food, I'm afraid that... that you won't look as good. You'll look worse than the other young men your age. And the king would have my head because of you. And Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over him, he said, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat. We should start a small group like that. And water to drink. And then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this. And what? Come on. And what? Tested them for what? And days here. So, so confuse our identity. Compromise our standards. Here's the third thing I think a culture is going to do. It's just going to test our faith. I'm telling you, I don't know what the test exactly will look like. But I think there will be the quick, the speed at which our culture is changing. I think in the next 10 years, there's going to be times that we're going to have our faith tested. And we're just going to have to pre-decide what we believe. So I decided to, to just let you all know, each fall, we're not going to take a public opinion poll with the culture to decide what we believe as a church. We're going to pre-decide, and then we're just going to believe on that and stand on it. And if all the world and culture changes... 
We're just going to say, God, by your grace and with loving hearts, we're just going to stand true to God's word. How many know that's the calling of a church, right? So, but I just want you to see this. Daniel does it in a way that has, and we're going to see this in a couple weeks, but he does it in a way that has magnetism. In fact, he's put, made one of the leaders with the satraps and others over all these people. And the Bible says Daniel gets influenced because he, say this with me, he what? Distinguish himself with exceptional qualities to the whole kingdom. Here's what I'm saying. Daniel figures out how to stand up for his faith and still stand out at his work by working hard. So let me say this, if you're going to have different convictions, you're going to probably need to be somebody who works hard at work too. <laughs> and like shows up on time. This is good preaching, isn't it? And like gives your all. Like I had a, a grandfather and dad who had a business and their belief was, we're going to believe strong in what God's called us to, but we're also going to do good work. Don't you imagine Jesus as a carpenter? Don't you feel like if you bought his rocking chair, the one that Jesus made at the market, it was pretty good workmanship. I feel like he wasn't pushing junk out there. You know what I mean? And so I think what Daniel did is not only did he have a set of values, but he distinguished himself with, with hard work and, and, and a, an excellent spirit. And God used Daniel's life in a big way. All right. So let me give you a couple statements as we're getting started this month on how we can make a difference in the world. Let me give you a couple of them. Here's the first one. Um, without truth, come on, say it with me. We become what? worldly so we need truth or we'll become just like the culture around us come on there it is without grace we become what judgmental i grew up in a church that was a little bit legalistic and judgmental i mean really legalistic and judgmental in fact my mom uh w would never wear pants to church in the morning if you did you were going to hell or something i don't know and uh but I remember just feeling like, I remember feeling like the hospitality team at our church, um, they were just good at protecting the offering, you know? <laughs> like they weren't really warm and friendly. And so I'm telling you, we need to be a church that has grace and truth, that has love and truth. We have, without truth, we become worldly. Without grace, we become judgmental. But truth without grace is mean. But look at this. Grace without truth is what? meaningless so grace invites us to be free and truth sets us free okay so here's what i'm saying we need both grace and truth come on say that with me we need both what grace and truth so let me give you a key verse to kind of be thinking as we move into the book of daniel that shows us how jesus lived this out exactly and and it says the word in john 1 which means jesus the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory, the glory of one and only son who came from the father. This is Jesus. Ready? Here it is. Full of what? Full of what? Full of grace and truth. Truth without grace is not right. Grace without truth is not right. Truth and grace together has both the kindness to lead us to the love of God and the truth to help us change, right? And, and I think we need to be a church that's full of grace and truth. And churches can lean on one side or another, but it takes a biblical commitment to stand in the middle of the road and say, we're going to be both big in grace and big in truth. <laughs> we're going to be big in grace because let's face it, if we had to earn our way to God, we're not getting there. Come on, anybody with me? I know, I know it's like, you're like, I came on a rainy Sunday. No, I get it. But like, 
Uh, we need, but, but how many know without truth, you get this syrupy view of God that, that never deals with reality. Yes, it's okay to not be okay, but how many know it's not okay to stay that way, right? And so it's like, I need, I need to have grace to get me in. And somebody asked me uh, last year, if I come to your church, are you going to try to change me? And I was like, probably, <laughs> probably, but I'm assuming you're coming to church because there's something to change. <laughs> Anybody coming to church? Cause there's something to change. Like, and if you've like crushed it all, then please let us know. Uh, we'd love to, you know, we have a different group for you, but uh, full of grace and truth. Come on, somebody full of what? Grace and, and truth. All right, let me give you one more. Um, one, well, let me illustrate this as I close today and, and, and tell you how to apply this from, um, it's going to be a great month going through this book, learning how to live for God. But it's probably the, one of the most famous stories that Jesus had. It's in John chapter eight. And. The story is told of a woman who uh, is brought to Jesus. And the Bible says the Pharisees have actually caught her. The Bible says uh, the Pharisees brought this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. Now, let me just say one thing. The man was not also brought to Jesus. By the way, if you catch someone in the act of adultery, that means there are two people, correct? Did I just, was that eye-opening? I don't think so, right? But they didn't bring the man. That's a different sermon, right? But, um, and they put her in front of Jesus, in front of the crowd. And teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They weren't even genuinely asking this. They were saying this to trap him. So they think they've got Jesus caught. Jesus, if we, if we stone her, then you've killed a woman. But if you tell us not to stone her, then you've broken the law. So what do you say we should do? And the Bible says they were trying to trap him, saying that they find something they could use against him. But Jesus, I love this, stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And they kept demanding an answer. So Jesus stood up again and said, all right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Isn't that such a good answer? Fine, we'll stone her. First person who can start it off, grabs a stone and throws it, is just the one who's never sinned. The Bible says he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Um, theologians debate, wouldn't you love to know what Jesus was writing in the dirt? But we don't know exactly what he was writing. One pastor says, maybe he was writing the sins of the Pharisees in the dirt. Like he looks at John and he's like, I'm gonna write the name of your mistress in the dirt. Sally. John, well, look what John did. You know, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with only with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, don't you love these words? Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more, right? Neither do I, grace. Go and sin no more, truth. Neither do I, grace. Don't keep it up, no, no, no. Go and sin no more, truth. How many know grace and truth? Grace and truth. In the middle of a confused world, it needs an optimistic faith-filled believers who love Jesus with all their hearts but who are standing on the truth of God's word 
and are walking grace and truth. Grace and truth. Would you bow with me this weekend? In just a second, bow with me in the lobby, Scott's edition. In just a second, we'll be done here today. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure where you're at in your own relationship with God. or Maybe you've walked away from it. Maybe you're not even sure in your faith completely. And the story of the Bible is the story of a God who had so much grace that he sent his only son. And the truth is he died on a cross to take your sin that you could have life. And if you're here this weekend, you're not sure where you're at with God, we'd love to pray for you. I won't embarrass you. I won't make you walk out of your seat or anything like that. But I'd love to just pray for you if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure where I'm at with God. Would you pray for me? Nobody's looking around. But in this room or in the lobby, in Scott's edition, in the jail, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure where I'm at with God. Today, I want to give my heart to God. I want to get right with God. Would you just lift your hand up quick and put it right back down by saying, yes, yes. Are there others? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me? Yep. I see that. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me? I'm not certain where I'm at with God. Would you pray for me today? Anybody else? Right where you're seated, you just pray a prayer that goes something like this. God, I know I've made mistakes. I know I've come up short. But today I've heard about your love, and today I want to come to you. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart God raised him from the dead. So save me and change me on the inside. Today I'm making you the Lord of my life, the treasure of my life. Come into my heart, change me completely. And by your grace, God, help me to follow you all the days of my life. Today I'm fully giving every bit of who I am to you. I'm yours, God. Thank you for saving me. For I prayed in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Look this way. A whole bunch of people. Raise your hand. You can um, check a card that you got in the worship guide on the way in. Leave it at Next Steps or email us. We just love to help you grow uh, in your faith. Answer any questions you have. You're starting a journey. Uh, truthfully, if you meant that prayer in your heart, then you're, uh, you're part of God's family. We want to say to you this weekend, welcome to the family of God. Come on, let's tell them that, Chapel. Welcome to the family of God. And so honored to be a part of that honored to be a part of that well we're so thankful what god's doing uh in just a second i'm gonna give us a benediction turn things over to scott's edition the band will sing us out let me just remind you of uh two things uh this wednesday night is motion night everybody say motion night that's where all our students, that's our monthly large group, and we're rolling out some new group stuff. So if you've got a teenager or young adult, you got to get them here in, in, in our campuses, both campuses, 7 o'clock. You want to be a part of Motion Night is when it starts. Um, so you want to be a part of Motion Night. And then today is step two of the growth track. So if you want to get connected, meet some of our team members right after the service, you get a chance to connect with step two of the growth track. Well, I love you, Chapel. Would you stand with me today in the lobby? Would you stand? Would you hold? I'd love to give you a blessing before we leave if you're comfortable would you hold your hand out like this i'd love to just give you an old school blessing and then our prayer team's up front if you want prayer our band will sing us out i pray today as you go that the love of god would go with you the truth of god the grace of god may the lord bless you and keep you would he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you would the lord bless you're going out you're coming in you're rising up you're lying down until we meet again to give him praise and all of god's people said God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next weekend.